Welcome, this is Amelia Andalione, and welcome to my 100th podcast episode of Spiritually Fit Yoga, which I can't believe it's been a 100 episodes since I started this right after we went into shutdown, and it was because of the pandemic that I had the time to create this podcast, and also wanting to offer yoga and meditation to my students out there whether you're an existing student or anyone out there that needed yoga and meditation to cope, to get through life. And I thought about what did I want to share? Who did I want to interview? What did I want to publish for my 100th episode? And eventually I realized more and more people have been asking me to share my story about chronic fatigue syndrome. And some of you don't even know that I've been diagnosed with that. I was diagnosed with it over, it's been over 20 years now. And that's what I decided to do. So that's this episode. And I also did something new. I, one thing about me that you may not know is I love to write. I've always enjoyed writing. And I have a blog, I have a website on spiritualfityoga.com. So this is the first time that I actually wrote out the episode and then I read what I put on the blog. So that's what you can hear. I'm going to put the link to the blog. So if you feel like you want to read what I wrote, that's already published. And wow, there was there was a lot of freedom in actually having that type of planning because I typically am teaching a yoga class or, or offering you a meditation or interviewing somebody and kind of flying off the seat of my pants. And that's just that's just how I've been rolling this whole time. And I have to tell you that this was really, really meaning because it reminded me of where I am today compared to where I was when I first was diagnosed over 20 years ago. Listen to the story. I would love to hear your feedback. So part one is now, and then every week I'll, I'll add a little bit more. Let me know if you're enjoying it. I really, really appreciate you listening. Those of you, like I said, if you've been here week to week, wow, thank you so much. And those of you that are new, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Enjoy this episode. And anybody that is experiencing chronic fatigue syndrome, whether you're new to it or if you've had it for a long time, I have so much empathy for you. And you're going to hear my own story. Okay, take care, my friends. Peace out. Hey friends, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode and for my podcast, ubindi.com, which is the booking platform I use for my group classes, for private classes. I can actually use it for any type of offering where I want to allow a student to book and pay online. So if this is of interest to you, go to ubindi.com, U-B-I-N-D-I.com. Give them a try. You can do a free trial. And if you choose to go for the annual essentials plan, use the discount code AMELIA, A-M-E-L-I-A, and get 50% off. It's already super affordable. Check it out. Get the additional 50% off. It's really easy to use. It's great for a teacher like me, a yoga teacher, any of you that are teachers out there. Check it out, upindi.com. And also, check out spiritualfityoga.com. If you're curious about my offerings, whether it's energy healing or life coaching or private yoga classes, or you just want to get to know what is it that I might be able to offer you to empower you and to lead you to your highest self, 
go to spiritualfityoga.com and book a free consult with me. All right, that's it, my friends. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for spreading the word. That's always a great way to say thank you to any podcaster. I appreciate you. Enjoy today's episode. Peace out. Part one, how chronic fatigue syndrome led me to yoga. 20 years ago, there's no way in hell I would have considered a diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome, CFS, a blessing. I can't even say the word chronic fatigue syndrome. (laughs) I was struggling, struggling to breathe, struggling to work, struggling to play, struggling to socialize, struggling to walk, struggling to talk, struggling to get pregnant struggling to want to be seen in public, struggling to want to stay alive. Today, as I reflect on how I felt over 20 years ago, I have so much compassion for my struggling, exhausted self, who was frustrated by an unknown cause of my constant breathlessness, lack of energy, and persistent tender lymph nodes on the sides of my neck. I felt half alive and 100% frustrated by no one seeming to know why the hell I fucking felt like crap. My journey with CFS is a long one, spanning several decades, so I'll share my story one course at a time. And why share now? I've been recording my Spiritually Fit Yoga podcast for over a year, And while I've shared transformational stories about my guests, I've never shared my own personal story about living with chronic fatigue syndrome. Several students and listeners have asked, I'd love to hear more about your CFS story. In honor of my 100th podcast episode, which is amazing, patting myself on the back, (laughs) and for those of you wanting to hear more about my transformational journey, This is for you. So here's part one, the beginning of feeling like crap and the beginning of my yoga journey. The struggle to breathe. A little health history background about myself. I was born in 1964, a month premature, a C-section formula fed baby, healthy and strong. As a kid, I rarely got sick. I didn't even take aspirin. I don't ever remember getting the flu shot. I had a few infections requiring antibiotics. I slept like a champ, annoyed friends with my hyper non-caffeinated morning energy. I was a petite five foot one athlete who ran half marathons just for fun and once squatted 250 pounds. Having myopia with astigmatism was really my only physical ailment. Then there was the time I was a fresh 30-year-old, nearing the end of my year-long solo backpacking trip around the world, when with one step, I all of the sudden couldn't breathe. Before that breathless moment in New Zealand, I had been climbing peaks in the Italian Dolomites, Austrian Alps, Swiss Alps, Agui du Midi in Chamonix, France, and a 21-day trek to Annapurna in Nepal. I was in my eighth month of backpacking when I wrapped up my year 
in New Zealand enjoying a glorious three months of tramping until my travel visa ran out. A few weeks into my New Zealand explorations, I booked a trip with New Zealand Adventure Safaris since they led off the beaten track excursions. I was still backpacking solo and discovering the less traveled paths always appealed to me. Because of my backpacking experience, an apparently impressive vegetarian stir-fry on a snowy mountaintop, and my availability, I was offered a job to join additional excursions in exchange for preparing meals and helping carry gear. In my opinion, it was a plush job, and I scored with having free transportation, lodging, food, and hanging out with super fun and cute guides taking me to breathtaking non-touristy sites, which to this day are in my top 10 places I've ever visited in my life. On what turned out to be my fifth and last excursion as an assistant guide, I was completely taken aback when hiking uphill. Wearing a moderately heavy backpack, I was capable of carrying a much heavier pack. I felt short of breath. I found a log, took a seat, and told the guides in the group I'd catch up. I had zero thought or concern about my health. My health history made me think I was invincible. I was maybe two miles from the top, and I struggled to breathe, starting and stopping for over two hours. The rest of the crew, including the slowest, oldest guests, took 30 to 60 minutes to reach the campsite. Ian, one of the head guides and a good friend after months of backpacking and guiding together, hiked down to find me, surprised at my turtle pace. He believed me when I told him I'd be fine and catch up on my own. When I took so long, he assumed I was probably taking photos again with my beloved Pentax SLR camera. He was shocked when he saw my slumped shoulders and short stride. My legs felt like lead. He regretted leaving me alone so long, and I told him, I'm fine. Back then, I really believed that. Now, I know I wasn't fine. He took my pack, which helped my breathing, but I still had to sit or lean against a tree or boulder almost every five labored steps. I already had food and water. Ian ran back to camp to get the first aid kit and brought me an inhaler. I puffed a few times, nothing. Just the jittery feeling from the albuterol. Good thought but I could still only take baby steps up that mountain. I kept thinking, I'm in the best shape of my life. I just backpacked in the Alps and Nepal. Why the hell can't I hike up this baby hill? I got my first and only ever piggyback ride up a mountain. I only had half a mile to go but at my snail's pace, we knew I should get to camp to rest and arrive before dark. Side note, I've lost track of my New Zealand friends and nothing came up when I Googled their guiding service, wherever you are. Thank you, Ian.
I made it to camp without alarming any of the guests. Only the guides were aware of my fatigue. I hydrated, snacked, took a rest, and felt well enough to make my last group dinner and then last breakfast for New Zealand Adventure Safaris. In one trip, I went from being an asset to a liability. From one extreme to another. After I finally returned home to the United States, I felt better, even back to my Energizer Bunny peak bagging self. At a routine physical, I mentioned what happened in New Zealand and my doc wanted to test me for parasites, giardia, etc. The only thing that might have explained my shortness of breath was my low iron levels. I wasn't anemic, but I was iron deficient. The fatigue came and went, then it started to stick around longer. At age 30, that was the beginning of feeling like I was living at the doctor's office, getting poked, probed, tested, and feeling like doctors thought I was crazy because all of my results kept coming back normal. I would keep telling them, but something feels off. I am not a hypochondriac. I've never been sick all my life, and I just feel weird. And that's really how I felt. And the only way I could explain it was off and weird because my physical sensations didn't fit any vocabulary in my frame of reference. Tired and sick didn't fit the bill to describe what I was going through. From typically seeing a doctor once a year to monthly visits, my life shifted from feeling invincible to feeling broken. I didn't know who I was anymore when I couldn't physically do what I love. And I barely had the energy to socialize because focusing my thoughts or maintaining eye contact was such a huge energy drain. My friendships were suffering because I was no longer feeding my relationships and I was too embarrassed to share how I felt or to ask for help. I inherited the belief that sickness is a weakness and weakness is a weakness, and I felt both sick and weak. The earlier version of me who never drank coffee and annoyed my friends with my morning peppiness was nowhere to be found. I discovered caffeine, and it was an evil curse because it, one, didn't give me energy during the day, and two, it kept me awake at night. I felt like my operating system was malfunctioning, yet somehow I fake functioned and got really good at saving my energy to wear masks resembling my old self, then making up excuses to skip socializing, to be alone and ashamed at home in my mysterious state of fatigue. I was a highly functional fatigued faker. On good days, I'd make appearances. On bad days, I'd hide. This type of coping explains why people are so shocked when they find out someone has been sick or depressed or fill in the blank, because some of us can be so good at only showing up when we're fit for public consumption. Note to self, if you haven't heard from someone in a while, check in on them. 
they might be struggling. If they say, they're fine, and your intuition senses otherwise, that might be a red flag. Invite yourself over with soup, ice cream, and a funny card. Insist you keep them company. Stay long enough to let them know you see them, care about them, even if they feel like they're broken and falling apart, because we all feel like that sometimes. Book your next date with them in your calendar before you leave. The strongest, most independent people are sometimes the most isolated and lonely, and they often won't ask for support. Yoga as a prescription. This story takes a huge leap seven years later to spare you all the medical tests and findings over the years because those frustrating years of testing were mostly non-conclusive anyway. If I ever write a novel, I may share those details, but for now, I'm ready to fast forward to the yoga. When I switched from seeing physicians to my naturopath, Dr. Moira Fitzpatrick from Bastyr University, I finally saw light at the end of the tunnel. Instead of more blood tests, she asked me lots of questions and had me pee in a big plastic jug at home for a week to send out for comprehensive hormone panels. She muscle tested me. She had me look at a box with different colored lights. She prescribed vitamins, minerals, and enzymes. She led me through my first cord cutting meditation. She handed me a prescription slip and all it said was yoga. I started feeling better. I started sleeping again. I started smiling and hiking again. I eventually got pregnant. Dr. Moria Fitzpatrick took me down a non-conventional, holistic path to healing. And on a health and wellness journey, I never imagined would become a cornerstone to become a yoga teacher and healer myself. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for part two.